Hey there, welcome to ATL and 29 of Peace Dreams podcast where we look at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. I'm here with Glenn Willis. We're recording over the weekend. Uh, we had immediate availability with Travis Schlenk Friday. We've got all the players coming up Monday. Well, maybe not uh, maybe not TLC because he has visa issues. Uh, but everybody else should be coming Monday. And uh, we got some injury news, Glenn. <laughs> Um, just a wee bit, just a tiny bit, just just a quarter of the of the roster or so. So, we, essentially, what Travis Schlenk said was, uh, some guys will go easy to start. We've got DeAndre Hunter, uh, Kevin Herter, Clint Capella, and I'm actually the list is so long, I'm forgetting a name. I think I need help. Bogdanovich. I forget Bogdanovich. And, and and to be fair, Bogdanovich said something to the effect of, uh, I think he, he did the athletic interview. He's like, no, I'm fine. So I think that's why I blocked that one out of my memory a little bit. Uh, the Hawks going easy on him might just be a precautionary thing, I hope. But I'm especially intrigued by the Clint Capella thing because the Hawks are going to have Onyeka Okongu, and they don't have any returning centers. Uh well, I, you know, it, when the Hawks play preseason games, what are you expecting? Well, I suppose Gorgie will start. And uh, I, I I wrote for Peace 3 Hoops, his uh, kind of preview piece. And I wrote that the nice thing about Gorgie is he can scale up to a starter role and, or scale back to like a third center role and be a more supportive guy. And that's really where his kind of strongest value proposition comes is the way he can kind of scale up and down a rotation and things like that. So, hey, but they're not going to play anybody more than like twenty minutes a game in the preseason. So, um, you know, I don't. Will Collins get any time there? I don't. I don't know. I guess Okafor is going to um, get a, enough minutes to kind of get a look at what he looks like with what the Atlanta likes to do defensively underneath McMillan. Um, and then you know some of the guys that are on camp contracts, um, you know, will. Um, probably get some extended time if they can play either at the four or the five. So it's going to be um, it's going to be interesting to to kind of see. Yeah, I'm having flashbacks to preseason minutes from Isaac Humphreys and uh, guys like guys like that a number of years ago. So um, that was even before they moved the the, um, the G League team to College Park. So uh, it's, yeah, that'll be interesting to see how who uh, gets minutes at the five in their, what, they play four preseason games? I can't remember what the number is. I think it's four, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I mean, it's probably good. I mean, I guess that, you know, if you're trying to get a warm-up for John Collins, a tune-up for the season, uh, he'd probably be comfortable where he gets a role where he doesn't have to share with Capelli. He can kind of be a little more selfish and kind of pick and choose what he likes to do. Uh, he won't have to worry about the space, the space necessarily being clogged. So, uh, you know, for preseason, it's good. Obviously, the Hawks, you know, they really need Capella. It's certainly something to watch because, you know, as they go into the regular season, they're not going to have a Kongwu. I think Travis Schlink's telling of it was 
you know, I think they hope to have him back for January. And he said something like his personal goal is to be back for December. Uh, we'll see, but uh, the Hawks need bigs and uh, Clint Capella, they, they, they're, they're going to need him. Uh, and I guess it's smart if you know, he, he's, he's never been a guy who has a whole lot of seasons where he plays 82 games. So maybe keeping the wear and tear off of Capella is is not the worst thing. And I feel like, you know, at least a couple of these guys, they're they're just being careful and trying to be prudent. It's a very short turnaround from last season to this season. Yeah, and I think it is gonna be interesting to see, like, for example, how much Johnny Hamilton gets to play. He's He's a, for a guy who's only on a camp contract, he's a semi-serious kind of defensive guy that, he, I mean, he, he's not ready to play in anyone's rotation uh, regularly at all, but he, he's a guy that might be able to give you, you know, five to six credible minutes a half, you know, when, if you need, if there's, and when there's foul trouble or, you know, whatever that is. Um, now he's not going to, um, beyond the actual roster when they break uh, camp, unless there's some you know pretty big trade or something like that. But he's a really nice guy to have, kind of kind of in camp. He he, uh, I think will value every minute he gets from a developmental standpoint, from an exposure standpoint. And then the as, as excited as our good friend Graham Chapel is about Jaleel Okafor, I mean it's he's just he's just such a weird fit defensively for what the how the Hawks defense is is built. It's hard for me to kind of take that too seriously at this point, but you know, I, I, I suppose he's not there for, for nothing. So I, I guess we'll kind of wait and see if there's something that kind of surprises me a little bit about um, how they can maybe make him more functional than I can imagine him to be defensively. Yeah. You know, I, I'm probably not the first person to make this comparison, but it almost has a feel of like what they did with the Jabari Parker, you know, when they brought him in. I mean, obviously it's a difference between guaranteeing multiple years on a contract versus a non-guaranteed deal, but you're taking a a chance on a guy who has shown over the course of his career he's a fantastic offensive player. Uh, And then you've got the defensive question marks. Uh, I will say that, you know, when he played in the Olympics, he looks pretty spry. Like, I think he's He's healthy and fit. I think, you know, he, he looks probably as good physically uh, as he ever has. And so I think that bodes well. Do you think that just the situation, basically roster composition-wise, you know, with the Hawks having the 14 players, they've got Mays on the two-way, they've got Cooper on the two-way. When you look at two guys like TLC and Okafor, does just what they're what what is there on the roster kind of skew things in favor of Okafor? I think the current roster situation with the injuries and the uh, I mean we have no idea how much like like you suggested a few minutes ago the plan for Capella might be you know pretty cautious to start the season hard to kind of see how that works out with a a Kongu not being ready to go for for a while, so Okafor has to have kind of the the, the straightest path to kind of to get in that roster spot. But but my sense is that um, uh, Timothy Luau Cabrero would not have signed that contract unless he 
uh, had some sort of pretty good signal that he was going to be on the roster through whatever that January cutoff is going to be this year when you have to usually is traditionally it's January 10th with the kind of the schedule moving around the last two seasons. I don't know where that falls right now, <laughs> but he's on basically the Solomon Hill contract from last year where the contract doesn't fully guarantee until that second week of January, whatever that date is. Um, so I, I think maybe I'm too high on TLC. Um, but he's a really capable player. Um, uh, he's not a, a guy who's ever going to start uh, probably on a really good team, but he's just a good, capable rotation wing can kind of do enough of what you need on defense can despite his number he's a better shooter than his kind of career numbers uh demonstrate he's got really good size um on the wing um and if they're um you know hunter for example if it's a slow ramp up for hunter they'll, they'll need a guy they could use i'll say need but they could use a guy like him who offers a legitimate size of three um, that can handle um, some of the bigger assignments defensively because he's not uh, a, a, a two pretending to be a three like you know like some guys in the in the league are. So it, it just I see more versatility and more utility with TLC, but the sheer need for depth at the five could mean that Okafor is going to have an opportunity to kind of bump TLC from that fifteenth uh, roster spot if that's how the roster is still uh shaping up when we get um you know to the beginning of the season yeah and to backtrack a little bit you know just in terms of the load for their core players you know if you look at what happened last season obviously you know Capella had some nagging things all season long but he he had a compelling case for eastern conference player of the month for march and then it was a day crescendo from there. <laughs> right. I mean, he was, he was, he was good, but he, he wasn't the same player explosion wise that he was in March. Yeah, uh, for sure. And it, and interestingly, like when you're defending Embiid, the explosiveness is not really what you're looking for. You're looking for strength and kind of trying to push Embiid off of his spots. Um, it, it, I'm sure that hurt them against the Bucks because you need all of this, even though Capella played really well in the Bucks series, but you need as much agility and kind of range, defensive range against a team like the Bucks as you could possibly have. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, Gorgie is going to be a critical player uh, for this team this year, um, in the regular season and his competency as a defender um, is going to, in my mind, could, you know, with the, let's say, for example, uh, with a fully healthy Capella, they're at the three seat. Let's just say as a hypothetical or whatever, they stack up as got to be most likely to be the three seat in the conference. If they're, you know, operating without Capella and without a convo for a while, you know, a lot of teams that have that situation are going to, you know, see themselves falling four or five spots potentially because the defensive floor is kind of going out from under them. Gorgie is not going to keep them at three if that's the right spot, but he could keep them from sliding four or five spots and to slide them, say, two spots. And for, in terms of what they're trying to do, for sure, having the goal of hosting the series in the first round this year, hopefully, um, you know, getting as high in that order of four as you can. That that that's just really critical. I mean, I, I, yeah, I've, I've been contemplating the last few days. Like, is Gorgon is Gorgon to play fifteen hundred minutes this year? Or is he gonna is he gonna play? Would it be crazy for him to play 
2,000 minutes. He's played 2,000 minutes in his career, I think, three times. Uh, that would take some bad Capella news for that to happen. So I hope that that's not the case. <laughs> but like I, like I said a few minutes ago, if you need if you need to get a scale up to that and just be just competent, he he's going to give you that, uh, and that's that's uh, helps a little bit with the anxiety that could come along with that Capella news. Um, yeah. But I mean, they they mean if if a team cuts a legitimate big, then TLC not being guaranteed and Okafor not being guaranteed, don't be surprised if when a team has to cut down to fifteen uh, before the regular season starts, if somebody comes loose, that they might be ready to kind of kind of pounce. But um, those that tends to be guys like the similar to the guys the Hawks were bringing through a few years ago, you know our friend Damian Jones <laughs> and, you know, uh, Marquise Chris is available about eight times a season. If it feels like, um, you know, in, in those types. So those, I don't see those as being upgrades, but I, I don't know who that might be, but you, know, you never know. They might be able to grab someone, but. Uh, I want my, you mentioned the Bucks a minute ago. I want my mighty Diakite. Yeah. I'm ready to cut Okafor today. Yes. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's a, um, uh, undersized guy i think he makes a congo look like a traditionally sized center um but man he's a fun defender he's got all sorts of mobility and verticality and and for a young guy he's a pretty smart defender you know yeah um so you could do worse than that for sure you just need your best rebounding wings on the floor probably and probably can't play with gallo uh you know things like that so to be fun with Collins, though. Yeah, that you could put some fast lineups together with those two at the four and five, <laughs> for sure. Um, going to uh, kind of changing gears here, you know, I asked Travis Friday, you know, in this marvelous fictional scenario where everybody gets healthy, you know, when you look at this roster, is it possible that you have too many good players, uh, and is that a problem? And I'm just wondering, like, you know, he also mentioned uh, in passing, Jalen Johnson has looked really good in, in sort of the recent five-on-five scrimmages. And uh, I'm still wondering, like, what's his role this season? Like, what, what, what do you think is coming for him? Is it yeah. that much? I, you know, I think it really depends on the workload Gallo can handle this year. I mean, it, none of us would be surprised if Gallo, for example, could, this is a hypothetical I'm throwing out, if Gallo could only handle about 50 games in the regular season this year, where he is in his career, that opens up a lot of opportunity for Jalen Johnson as a one-and-done young young rookie. And so I, I, I think that's where kind of the fungibility with Johnson's um, kind of opportunity to step in and play some serious minutes in some games. I think about him a lot the way that I did about um, Jalen Brown when he was a rookie with the Celtics and just didn't play every game. Didn't, in fact, would play to go a week or you know pretty long stretches of games and not play, and then step in and kind of be coached up on a specific defensive assignment or a specific aspect of the game plan or whatever. And so I'm thinking of, of him similar. And he, he, there is some parallel there too, where Jalen Brown came in as a really good athlete, a young guy who had uh, not the, not the best uh, kind of one season 
uh, NCAA season, kind of a you know strange statistical season for Jalen Brown, a, a, a strange um, kind of situation for Jalen Johnson. So I think it's the Gallo, um, you know, workload that opens all of that up. And I, but I think that there will be some opportunities against some teams where you they can coach him up for a specific defensive assignment, which is exactly how you know, uh, Brad handled Jalen's kind of rookie season. I, it, it, it kind of goes back to when Bud was uh, there. Um, Bembry's, I think it's his rookie season. He didn't play for a long time, and they had a matchup with the Celtics. And Bembry was coached up to defend Jalen Brown in that game specifically, but they were both playing off the bench in that game. And so a lot of coaches will look at opportunities and say, okay, here's a – a reserve on the other uh, team where our young guy, we can coach him up on this and give him a chance to kind of go handle rotational minutes there. Um, but I think if, if Gallo needs a lot of time off the feet, off his feet this year, you know, you, you roll Jalen Johnson out there and give him that opportunity. And there's some serious ROI there. Um, the big questions for him is, can he handle assignment defense? Can he, ha- you know, can he handle sort of all of the, decisiveness and the reads and the communication that that requires that is required on defensive end of the court um, especially under a coach uh, that has defensive expectations like Nate Millen does um, but uh, you know he exceeded my expectations defensively in, in, in the summer league but doing it in a real NBA setting is different but I, I think it mostly does come down to Gallo's workload this year and, and not being shocked if he you know needs good a couple of good stretches off his feet and that opens it up for Jalen, I think. I'm currently enjoying the recent book about Giannis. Oh yeah? And uh, you know, I've only gotten as far as, you know, his his you know upbringing in Greece and the draft and, and I'm 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 in his rookie season right now. And the section on the Hawks and their scheming and their plotting and their secret interviews with him and how, you know, he was the guy that they made a promise to. He was the, you know, and the Hawks were the one team that had made a promise to Giannis. And it's, it's, it's harsh. (laughs) It's really revealing, but I bring it up because there's a scene where, you know, the, the Hawks are basically, you know, sending people out under cover of night to meet with meet with Giannis secretly and one of them was Kenny Atkinson and one of the things that he did is he just sat down with some video of a Lakers game and he's showing him plays and he's like what would you do here and Giannis says pass and what would you do here and Giannis says pass and you know again I made this this comp I think you know when we saw Jalen Johnson in summer league but he really does remind me uh, you know, me being a, a Bucks blogger during Giannis's rookie season, he reminds me a lot of young Giannis just in terms of how he's so uber willing to facilitate. And you don't see that uh, with athletic guys of his size uh, to that degree. So I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm super excited too. I, uh, you know, it, it's, it's something to come off out of a conference finals and still, get a guy that has that much kind of potential um and it, and it 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 took a guy i mean Giannis had his question mark Giannis, just around no just just around no ability right like who is this guy you know what can he we was, know about him he was playing scraps right. yeah exactly right uh, jalen johnson had his his questions about 
never really stuck in the program and, you know, never kind of rode through adversity in the program or, or what have you. Um, but that's, that's what it takes to get a talent like that to kind of fall to you at uh, 20 or whatever, where was they were picking. Um, but man, yeah, I, um, yeah, I'm not rooting for Gallo to need a lot of time on his feet because Gallo's a very fun basketball player to watch for sure. Um, but I mean, there should be really no surprise if he can only play 50, 55 games on regular season that's, this year. That's yeah. That, there's a lot of historical precedent for that. For sure. For sure. And then, you know, similar things um, kind of with Lou, like how much is he going to play? And will that open up uh, active games for Sharif? You know, I mean, the, the Hawks are, you know, have DeLon and, you know, things like that, but, you know, there, there are times you need another guard to kind of come in and fill us some time. And, you know, Lou being kind of about the same place Gallo probably is from that, you know, scaling workload kind of situation, if not even a little bit more. Um, um, uh, I, I don't know. I guess I put them both about equal or both in that 50, you know, 55 game range being something that wouldn't surprise you, but that could open up time for, you know, the other, other draft pick, um, you know, to play some this year, um, Sharif, just depending upon, uh, you know, uh, can hurt, hurt or stay healthy all year long. You know, how, how does Delon fit in positionally? You know, I think he'll play fine at the one or two, but you, you don't know until you throw him out with this group of players, you know, how it all shakes yeah. out. But having those veterans at the one and the four and having those two draft picks be the one and the four kind of is a nice situation there to be able to kind of work some minutes in for those guys this season, even. Yeah, I asked Travis on Zoom, and, and Zoom isn't great for, for follow-up questions. It just doesn't have the same give-and-take timing. Uh, but I asked him about Gordon Ujang and, and DeLon Wright, and when he was talking about Wright, you know, one of the things he kept going back to was he's big. You, know, you can play the one and the two. He's big. And you know, me reading between the lines on that, you know, the, the signals that are going off in my brain is, um, all I'm hearing is, you know, you can play him with Trey. <laughs> sure. You know, they, for years and years, you know, the Hawks have needed, and he mentioned the fact that it's been a sore spot for a while, not relative to Trey, just from the whole team roster composition point of view, that right. they, they've needed a backup point guard. But, you know, when teams are giving a lot of defensive attention to Trey, you, you just need that extra ball handler to be able to do things and, and shake up a compromised defense once the ball slides over. And, uh, you know, hearing Travis talk, that, that was the only thing. He never said it specifically, but, man, he really said it without saying it, if, 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 I, if I interpret it correctly. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have guys in, that have been in the Peace Review Slack for all, though, I've been clamoring for the Hawks to get DeLon right for about three years now. Every time he's kind of come up to be free. Uh, but that was – I think that was even before – I would put right about the time that the Trey, Trey came in, obviously, uh, depending on when I actually started making noise about that. I can't say for sure, but, um, but yeah, I, Hawks fans who follow my work may be sick of hearing this example, but I, I still often think of the year that Jeremy Lynn went to Charlotte and how much he helped Kimball Walker as an undersized point guard, have some opportunities to move off the ball, get a little bit of rest, get some help with the, the workload of ball handling. And, you know, DeLon Wright's size is great. His defensive versatility is great. His positional offensive versatility is good. But he is an excellent ball handler. Never turns the ball over. 
Uh, and that is something that is really important to Nate McMillan. I mean, how how often did we hear, hear Nate talking about turnovers last year? And then even if you watched his interview during summer league, you know, he was talking about what a great job Sharif was doing, but he needed to stop turning the ball over so much. So I, you know, I think, yeah. And so I think that, um, you know, I, I think that he's going to, I, I, uh, one of the things I say a lot too is that, I think the average NBA fan, and I don't use that as a, as a criticism, you know, some people watch the game more casually, some people watch whatever, you know, it's, there's room for all sorts of viewers uh, in the NBA kind of watching sphere. But I, I still think one of the most underappreciated aspects of NBA of the NBA is how exhausting it is just to bring the ball up offensively and get the team into whatever they're getting into um and you know for example if we watch the hardens last two or three seasons in houston you know part of what they were always kind of going for was once they got about halfway through the third quarter just letting someone that's dribble the ball up and then let james come get the ball and kind of get into it, it is exhaust it's, it's exhausting and that's something that you'll you'll see with like even chris paul and phoenix last year in the second half of games you'd see him starting off ball kind of coming on ball and so i think that honestly that while that's not a statistical thing that you're never, I mean, unless there's some deep tracking thing that tracks, you know, possession time and things like that. But, but that, that is going to be a massive benefit for Trey um, and to, and to not force Herder into kind of a full-time point guard role when you're wanting to get Trey off the ball, because Herder does so much as a second side kind of creator and lifting as a shooter and all that sort of stuff. You don't have to pull Herder kind of out of that role and f- force him on ball now you want herder on ball a certain amount of time yeah you right but uh, what i'm saying is you're not forced to it if that's not what you if that's not what you want to do and in the playoffs he was taking such a massive defensive workload and then on the other end with bogdanovich being limited he was taking such a massive offensive workload he was playing by the time they got to like game six of the philly series like 42 minutes or something something like that and delon is just going to help like you know, Don shouldn't play more minutes than Kevin. She should not play more minutes than Kevin, right? But Don is going to help Kevin not have to be so extended so many times, especially when he's has a specific role on defense where he's taking a really tough assignment on that end and forcing him to create 30, 35 possessions a game on offense. So Don is just so kind of fluid and you can drop him into whatever kind of assignment you need on offense, same on defense. And he's just going to help Kevin get to do the things that Kevin uh, is going to be best served doing. And we could talk about on and on, whether it's Cam Reddish or DeAndre Hunter or whoever kind of gets benefited. Maybe with Hunter's physical issues, maybe you don't want Hunter defending at the one so much this year because of the wear and tear and the workload that kind of comes he's been their point. He was their point guard defender while he was on the court last year. Right. Yeah, so maybe, yeah. maybe Delon's presence kind of allows you to not force uh, DeAndre into that role until maybe the last month of the season when you maybe maybe you start ramping him up to play that defensive role in the postseason. So it's a, that shorter stints, yeah, exactly. So um, there's just that's the value to me of the Delon is he you can shape DeAndre's workload, Kevin's workload, and on and on, kind of um, just so in such a way that serves those guys best across the whole season and he can just kind of jump in and do a solid or solid plus job at all those kind of different facets. So, so 
I mean, the fact that they got Gorgie and DeLon this offseason kind of coming in, adding their depth, but adding the, the versatility, the competency within that depth is just just great work. And it's going to – and it, it may not always be like, oh, look at this great game DeLon had. Maybe we'll see it in a really good DeAndre Hunter game in February where because DeLon was there and, and could take a lot of defensive minutes at the one, you know, um, or it could be a, a herder game where he didn't have such a de- defensive workload across the grinding, you know, part of the, the regular season. So his value might pop up and, and, and show up in other guys' performances along the way. Um, but the, still, that's um, a, a way that he's supporting the team and, and getting these uh, other young guys an opportunity to to not be overworked this year. You you mentioned a couple of minutes ago. Nate McMillan at Summer League talking about Sharif Cooper and, you know, why it works because, you know, Nate McMillan is is so uh, keyed in on limiting turnovers and, and Cooper's not going to do that, certainly not right away. And DeLon Wright will. You know, DeLon Wright reminds me of a little bit Nate McMillan. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. So he's really going to like him. It's like, you know, if, if you if you take if you kind of you know take Nate McMillan and give him sort of the evolutionary sort of basketball uh, uh, development for just you know how players have changed from the '80s to now. Like if you if you take Nate McMillan and put him through that 40-year time machine about how the game has changed, you know what do you come out with? You kind of come out with DeLon Wright. You kind of get that big combo guard who can play the one, play the two. You know, do some stuff on defense. You know, that's it's kind of what Nate was. It was, and to not care if you're getting shots or not getting shots, not care if you're getting assists or you're hitting that hockey assist or, you know, just moving the basketball and um, kind of just that kind of brand uh, and that approach. Um, now, Nate was a all-defensive level defender, you know. That's so, I mean, he was, uh, he, was, he was more defense and less offense than DeLon, right? But yes. So I just want to make sure we're doing right by Nate McMillan because he's yeah. this awesome defender, yeah, yeah. Um, you know. So, but there's there, you know, you you kind of squint, you can see that comparison. You uh, can. Nate is going to enjoy him thoroughly. Yeah, and I mean to nerd out even for a minute, like Nate's offensive skill set would have presented a different challenge for him now because basically the way the game's played right now, all guards have to be able to do a little bit more than what Nate did uh, offensively yep. back then. But yeah, that's. Yep. That's a probably a boring, boring conversation, but I, I just want to make yeah. sure we're, we're now uh, in terms of the injury news. The best news was there's no Cam Reddish on that list, right? That's true. Yeah, that's true. So that's good. Yeah. And I expect, you know, of everybody on the roster, it's like, you know, who's going to get a healthy workload in those preseason games? I mean, I mean to me, that's going to be Cam because, you know, you mentioned he doesn't have the injury concern that the other players did. Um, and he didn't play summer league, you know, that I think the plan was for a while for him to play summer league. And then, right. you know, he, he got his feet wet in the playoffs and, and then he backed off of that. And so, you know, now's the chance to ramp him up again. So I'm, I'm expecting uh, the Hawks to yeah. give him plenty of opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. With, with this injury news, I, I went back and looked, they played their last game on May 16th. So, you know, a little bit of this is how long their season went, you know, 
um, shorter turnaround. Um, not to say, not quite as short, obviously, as Milwaukee or Phoenix, but a late start to the last season, push the playoffs kind of later than normal, and 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 all of that. Um, so you know, the, the price of success uh, to some degrees, you you don't get quite as much time um, for everything, but um, you know. Uh, ho- hopefully these are this is mostly kind of a, a costless approach especially I have no idea what was going on with the injuries last year I know that I've heard some kind of noise around uh, where there miscalculations where some guys return too early I mean it wouldn't be crazy to think that they're uh, kind of trying to uh, be more cautious this season than they might have been last year I, you know uh, I, I don't know how a physician or a head of training and um rehabilitation you know all, i don't know how those people were supposed to function well in a covid environment anyway because you just had less access uh and so you know i don't judge like the last season or two seasons kind of quote performance of uh, medical and training staff in the covid environment I, I don't know how you do that but they moved on from chelsea lane uh and, and such so you know there there could be a thing where the whole organization is just saying let's just be more cautious and ramp guys up more slowly this year, just because they had such a rough season last year in that category, you know, so it could be, hopefully these guys are all in good shape and it's just a matter of being uh, really careful with not getting them working too hard too early in the season. Yeah. All right. Um, Enough. I have to work up to my podcast conditioning. Got to go with this gradually. So do this again soon. Oh well, uh, one. I, I thought we were gonna hit one more. Uh, <laughs> I, thought we, I thought we were gonna hit I one more. You off. No, no, no. What was it? I no, I, I wanted to. I wanted to get your analysis on Dwight Howard's performance on the Mass Singer. I, I didn't see that. <laughs> I, I'm just kidding. I saw a commercial for it, and I rewound. I was like, "Wait, did they just show Dwight?" And it's like, "Yeah." So I, I did. Well, I didn't see the performance. I I did like hit the rewind button on my uh, DVR to get back and, and, and just check out the ad to see the picture. Yeah, it, it was obvious it was Dwight because Uh-oh. he was, uh, you know, monstrously tall compared to anyone else who's on that show. My, my wife and I watch that show occasionally just because we, we love music and sometimes we'll just try to figure out if we know the voices. It's a pretty corny show. I mean, but we both love music and so sometimes we, we'll um try to see if we can kind of figure out from the voice if we know who it is so but you knew huh i knew in like 10 seconds well, i mean first of all the, the clue, i guess they have a clue package is a normal thing i, I don't want to get but anyway he, he his clue package was like was had dwight screaming all over it he said his lucky number was eight like really dwight um <laughs> that's what he wore in atlanta uh and on and on and on but then as soon as i um saw him saw the the masks, whatever. I I don't think I've another word. It's not like I watched the show religiously, but uh, I just thought I, I just thought I'd see if you had any analysis uh, from that. But you can win a bar bet. And I'll close with this: uh, two. I, think, I guess two performers were on mass that night. One was Dwight Howard, and one was Tony Braxton. So Dwight Howard shared a stage as a musical performing artist with Tony Braxton, and someone ever. Uh, kind of a uh, bar bet did Dwight Howard ever perform musically on the same stage as Tony Braxton the answer is yes and that helps you in a bar bet now and then uh, don't say I never helped you <laughs> <laughs> all right well uh, thank you do this again soon
Yes, uh, look forward to um, media day reaction and uh, that first uh, preseason game is uh, not too far down the line. So looking forward to all that getting right back up. Thanks, man. Thanks, Kevin. Let's get started with uh, Sarah. Hey, Travis, how are you? I'm well, how are you, Sarah? I'm good. Um, I just wanted to check in on how DeAndre Hunter's um, health is and if he's ready to go for camp. Uh, DeAndre's doing well. He's been back here in town for the last uh, three or four weeks. Um, he will not be a full participant at the start of the camp. We're going to kind of ease him back in, but he's been playing one-on-one, -on -one, um, but we anticipate him to be full go at the start of the season. Chris Kirshner. Hey, Travis, um, what's the latest on negotiations with Kevin and do you anticipate something getting done before the start of the season or is that uh, at least the hope? Yeah, certainly th that's the hope to try to get something done. Uh, negotiations are ongoing with he and his representatives um, and talked to his agent as a matter of fact last night. Um, you know, we're, as I've said all along, you know, we're hopeful to be able to get something done with Kevin long term. Um, but if we don't, um, that's okay too. You know, as we saw, you know, last year with John, that certainly doesn't mean that, you know, we are not going to work hard next year in free agency to try to get Kevin wrapped up long-term. Um, you know, these things are, they're, they're kind of hard to predict on how things will go. Um, you know, they're kind of hard to do, you know, I've got a, a young player who's continuing to get better and, you know, wants to be paid appropriately. And, um, so we'll, we'll, we're hopeful, but um, I don't have a sense really one way or another, you know, if it'll get done to be candid with you, but we're hopeful. And if it doesn't, it certainly doesn't mean that um, we won't work to get it done next year. Let's go back to Sarah. Hey, Travis. Um, I was wondering if you could talk about some of the things that you like about some of the guys that you've signed to, to camp deals and just kind of what they need to show you and, and Nate and I guess all the guys in camp. Yeah, so a couple of them um, are, are guys that we've signed to exhibit 10 deals that will play in College Park. Um, you know, the way the system works, you have to bring them to camp for a certain number of days to have their rights in College Park. So AJ, young player out of South Carolina, you know, very energetic defensive player. Um, you know, he's one of them. And then uh, Hamilton, um, again, is another guy that signed an Exhibit 10 with us who will be down in College Park playing with us. He was an athletic big guy. Um, and then the two guys that we've signed um, to come in and kind of compete for the 15 spot, um, uh, Timothy Luwalu, um, he's actually dealing with some visa stuff. We're hopeful that we'll get him in uh, the first part of next week, but he's currently still in France as we work to get his visa to come uh, to the States. Um, and then obviously, uh, Okafor has been here for the past, I guess not obviously you guys, but he's been, been in for the last yeah. 10 days or so, uh, working out with the guys. Um, you know, he's in great shape. Um, so, you know, we'll give him an opportunity to compete for that spot as well. We will, um, probably about halfway through camp, wave a couple guys and sign a couple more guys to exhibit 10. So you'll see some roster moves between now and then. And again, that's just based on the limited number of spots we have and you know what we have to do to get guys rights for college parks. Kevin Chenard. Hi, Travis. How do you see 
your off-season acquisitions, most notably Gorgie Jang and DeLon Wright fitting in? Well, you know, one of the big things that's been, um, you know, I don't know what's the right way to say this. One of the things that's uh, we've been trying to address a lot of different ways over the last few years has been a backup point guard. Um, and then, you know, that it's something we really wanted to focus in on this year. And we feel very good about the line. Obviously, he, you know, it's, it's six foot five. He's got the size to be able to play on and off the ball. Um, you know, he, he's got a very high basketball IQ, a good defensive player, you know, has one of the knocks on him coming into the league was, you know, his shooting, but he's turned into a very reliable three-point shooter. So we're excited to add him. Um, and then Gorgie, you know, with O being out, you know, the first, you know, three or four months, um, you know, we wanted to go out and get a, get a solid backup. Um, and, you know, he brings a little bit of the stuff that Dwayne used to bring to us. You know, Gorgie's turned himself into a reliable, especially from the corners, three-point shooter. Uh, he's a, a very good passer. Um, so, you know, we're excited to bring him in as well. Bob Rathbun. Hey, Travis, is there anyone else other than uh, Hunter that's not a full go at the start? Yeah, we have a few other guys that we're going to kind of bring her along slowly. Uh, obviously, O is not going to be a full go. Um, and, you know, hopefully he'll be ready at the end of December, uh, 1st of January, coming off his soldier, soldier surgery. Ooh, easy for me to say. Um, you know, Kevin had a procedure on his ankle, um, cleaned out uh, after the season. Um, he's kind of on the same track as DeAndre. Uh, he'll be participating in camp, but not a full go. Um, but we're going to build him up. Hopefully at the start of the season, he'll be full go. Um, and then also uh, Bogey is in the same boat. Uh, he obviously, as you guys all know, was dealing with the tendon stuff in his knee. Um, he had some um, PRP injections or stem cell injections in it over the summer. Um, so, you know, he's been playing one-on-one -on -one with those guys. And so we'll bring him along slowly at the start of the camp. And again, the expectations that he'll be hundred percent go at the start of the start of the season. And then Clint, I guess, I, yeah, Clint, I forgot about, uh, you know, Clint had the PRP injection in his Achilles, the same procedure Cam had done. Um, and again, we'll, we'll bring him along slowly uh, with the hope of having him built up, ready to go at the start of the season. Back to Chris. Where do things stand in, uh, for the team in terms of vaccination rate? Uh, we are going to be 100% vaccinated again this year. Uh, we have uh, one player who's going to receive his second shot next year or next year, next week. Um, so before the regular season starts, we'll be fully vaccinated. And obviously the whole staff's vaccinated. Zach Klein. Hey, Trev, uh, if I talk to you three and a half weeks from now, right before the opener, what's the one thing you'll say, yeah, I'm glad we accomplished this during preseason camp? Uh, Got and stayed healthy. Raphael Haynes. That's it. Oh, go ahead, Zach. Oh, okay. Raphael. Well, let's assume, which real quick, let's follow up. Let's assume you stay healthy. Uh, what is it, I guess, in terms of on the court you want to see um, the advance over the next couple of weeks? Yeah, um, you know, we've got obviously a couple of new guys that are going to be playing pretty big roles on our team with DeLon um, and Gorgie. Um, so, you know, getting those guys acclimated with our group. Um, and then, you know, 
excited about our young guys. You know, we, we feel good about the two young guys we have and being able to see those guys, um, you know, play play NBA minutes is going to be exciting over the, you know, these four preseason games we have. Raphael Haynes. Hey, Travis, Raphael Haynes with a three-point conversion. I do apologize if this has been asked already, but when you look at the team and how it's been constructed over the last four to five years, then you um, you all make the Eastern Conference Finals. Is this season make the finals or it's a disappointing season? Uh, no, <laughs> no, certainly not. Um, listen, I, it, it's really hard to get to the NBA Finals. Um, you know, obviously only two teams get there every year. Uh, you know, for us this year, as far as expectations, and, and I think I said this, um, you know, in the summer, at least to a few of you, you know, going into this season, we obviously want to be very competitive and build off last year. Um, but I, I think you're you're living in a bit of a fantasy world if you, you're going to be in the Eastern Conference Finals or Finals every year, even if you are a very good team. Um, so for us, you know, our, our goal is to be back into the playoffs, hopefully have home court advantage, you know, this time around the playoffs. And once we get there, whether or not we have home court or not, uh, go, go, ahead, go out there and make some noise uh, like we did last year. So, you know, for us, is we're still a young team. Obviously, we've, you know, sprinkled in some veterans the last couple of years, and we feel good about our team. But, you know, you, you have to get some breaks in the playoffs. You know, we last year, you know, as I've said before, you know, we got Philly with Joel in the league, and that 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 was helpful. Um, you know, in 2015, when I was still in Golden State, the first time we won it, you know, I think we played, you know, the first three rounds, teams were missing players and you know people said we got lucky but uh, that's fine we want a championship getting lucky and you need to get lucky Emmanuel Glaze hey Travis how's it been this year um being able to work with Nate in the offseason last year you had him he was assistant he took over in the middle of the season but now after the playoffs and and having an offseason and a draft how's it been with you guys the chemistry uh, working together this offseason going into this season uh, good. You know, Nate, I mean, you guys have the opportunity to talk to him every day. You know, he, he's, he's a completely level-headed man. Um, you know, he, he's, a, he's a good person, um, straightforward, honest, much like myself. So, you know, we have, we have a very good rapport. You know, when we sit down and have talks about the team or talks about players, um, I would say the vast majority of the time, you know, our opinions are the same. So, you know, we see the game kind of similarly, similarly, we want to have, you know, build this franchise, you know, the same way. So it's, we really haven't had very many hiccups at all. Um, you know, when all our dialogues back and forth, so. Back to Chris. Uh, just to clarify something on Onyeka, is the goal now for him to be cleared by the end of December instead of the end of January? That's his own personal goal. Um, you know, he, he, he's, he's marked the, the end of December on, on his personal calendar. Um, and then he's been, he's been back here for the past two months working his tail off and things are going great. Um, but you know, we're, we're still, we're still going to shoot to have him back in that January range. And if he gets back, comes back early, great. Um, but that, that's what he's marked on his calendar. And I also wanted to ask, what do you see as the next step for Trey's development? I think, you know, what we saw from Trey last year, as far as, you know, doing less, but to have more team success, you know, trusting his teammates more. I think just building off that is really continuing 
the right trend, you know, continuing to be a little more vocal on the floor, you know, as a point guard, getting people in the right places, um, you know, continuing to realize when somebody's got it going and, you know, the guy hits two or three shots in a row coming down and saying, okay, intentionally, we're going to run another play for that guy because he's hit three in a row, you know, just little things like that, just con controlling the game offensively. And then, you know, continuing defensively to, to give effort. Um, you know, those, those are the big things and, you know, they're all completely doable and I have a lot of confidence that he's going to continue to get better at those things. Paul Newberry. Following up on that, Travis, how concerned are you that uh, Trey might take up professional wrestling? And what would uh, what was your uh, what was your view of his uh, appearance there? Uh, return to Madison Square Garden. <laughs> well, the the professional wrestlings there they uh, they know how to sell tickets and rile a crowd up, and they did a great job there. <laughs> can, I, can I ask you one follow to that? Those it's all seriousness. This. Trey seems to kind of uh, obviously relish that, you know, centerpiece and being the guy that people cheer or boo. Uh, how important to have a guy kind of like that, that sort of em embraces that and, and seems to even thrive on it? Yeah, no, listen, it's, it's a testament to him. You know, it's something he's been dealing with this whole career. Um, you know, he, he, as you said, he, he wants that moment. Um, you know, he thrives in that and to, to have the mental makeup to be able to go out there and, you know, not shrink in that moment, but to actually embrace it, it it's really important. It gives, obviously it gives him a ton of confidence, but it gives our teammates confidence, his teammates confidence to be in that situation. So, um, you know, we're obviously, we're obviously excited about it. And, you know, we, we hope that, you know, for the forthcoming future that we're in situations, big games on the road or at home uh, to have a player, you know, that's not going to shrink in that moment. It, it gives you a level of comfort. Okay. Uh, there are currently no hands raised. Um, if you have a question for, uh, let's go to Deshaun Tate. Uh, good morning, Travis. Uh, if anything at all, what is different for you uh, approaching this season at this uh, approaching the season at this part of the year uh, that may be different from around this time during the seasons prior? Um, I don't know if there's a whole lot different about how we we approach things. Um, you know, last year was uh, you know obviously different because of the whole COVID situation and. Um, you know, we still have a little bit of that this year. We're, we're waiting on the league to give us all our final protocols for the season uh, and what all that's going to look like. So I, I guess that makes it a little different than some of the years. Um, you know, as far as, as we've talked about, you know, we made the transition last year from being more of a development team to, you know, more of a com competing phase for the franchise. And so that that's the same as last year. Um, but, uh, you know, other than, you know, things that are out of control, like, you know, what the protocol is going to be like, I, I think it's pretty similar to last year. Back to Kevin Chenard. You mentioned before, you know, the, the injury status of the players and hopefully to have them ready at the beginning of the regular season. If they are all healthy, do you worry at all about maybe having too many healthy players? Like, not too many healthy players, but 
but too deep of a team, like, uh, you know, too many players who are sort of rotation worthy. Is that ever an issue? Well, not for my job. It might be for coach's job. Uh, <laughs> no, um, listen, I think what you saw, and, you know, this is one of the things we focus on too with, with, with our guys is last year, you know, guys gave up their personal stats for team success. You know, obviously most notably Trey and John, um, you know, all, all our guys, they want to win here. They want to get to the top of the mountain. And I think what they saw last year, what they learned last year is that, you know, we do have a deep team and we have on any given night, a bunch of guys can step up and go out and get 20 points, 25 points. And, you know, our guys relish that when guys were on the bench, they're up cheering for their teammates. Um, so I think our guys have that team first, um, you know, we mentality. Um, and when you have that sort of chemistry, um, you, you don't run into those issues um, where you have guys upset about, you know, maybe not getting the minutes they want or the shots they want. Um, you know, we have, we have veteran guys that understand that, you know, there's younger guys that are earlier in their career and they accept those roles like Gallo did last year coming into this situation, you know, going from a starter to a bench role. So uh, it, it's a special thing, but when, when guys buy into that, uh, it really makes the season fun. Terrence Moore. Hi, Travis. Hello, sir. Given what you guys did last year, I'm sure that the average Hawks fan is going to expect you guys to do at least as well or somewhere in the vicinity. I mean, rightfully or wrongfully, I know the Eastern Conference has gotten a lot tougher than it was last year. Is that something that is a, a positive for you guys to have the fan expectations to be where it is right now? Or is that, I can't hate to use the term negative, but I mean, is that, would that be a drawback that you're going to have all these great expectations this year? And, and then, as you say, you, know, you want to make noise, but I think the average fan probably would be thinking bigger than that. No, well, first of all, the fact that the fans are excited is a positive, right? We want, we want the fan base to be excited about that. And unfortunately, in this business, there's only two, two outcomes really at the end of the day, right? You either exceed expectations or you underachieve. Um, so that's the reality. And there are going to be some years when we underachieve, and there are going to be some years when we overachieve. Uh, we hope that we overachieve more than we underachieve. Um, but, you know, those are the two outcomes of the season. But what we saw last year from the community, the city of Atlanta, um, and the support we got from them, especially the second half of the season as we started letting more fans in and just really the buzz around town, that's it's our job as an organization to keep that going, to keep the interest, um, to keep people talking about us, to keep people excited about us. Um, and, you know, hopefully that we'll be able to do that, um, whether or not we get to the Eastern Conference Finals or the second round. Um, hopefully we can keep that sort of excitement in, in the community. Raphael. Travis, when you look at the team now, the not necessarily the namesake, but just the way the team is built, the type of players you have, was this the vision when you first came in and you know took over as the GM for the Hawks? Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, you guys have heard me say this from my opening day press conference to now. You know, we we want to play an exciting brand of basketball. We want to have high character individuals. We want to have you know four 
and in, in a perfect world, five guys out on the floor that all, all can dribble, pass, and shoot. You know, I've said a few times too, it, the ideal team would be to have a bunch of six foot nine guys out there, right? You know, versatility. Um, you know, clearly we're not going to have that with a six one point guard who's going to be on the floor. But um, you know, you look at the you know Jalen who we drafted this year. You know, six foot nine with perimeter skills. Um, you know, he's shown a lot of flashes out here in the pickup games. Obviously, he was very good in the summer league. You know, the more guys that we can continue to add like that, um, that that that's kind of in a nutshell, my vision, you know, the versatility to be able to have guys out there that can switch that all can play inside or outside. Um, that's when you become really difficult to guard in the NBA when you have multiple guys that can go out there and create for themselves or create for others. We have any final questions for Travis this morning. Okay. Thank you for your time, Travis, and thank you, thank everybody. Thank you guys for showing up, and for those of you that actually combed your hair before you came on the Zoom, I appreciate that. <laughs> you know who I'm talking about out there, Kevin, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See you all soon. See ya.